Many people are using the FaithFi app to help provide the wisdom, community, and money management to stay on track, financially speaking. To date, over 37,000 members are using its digital envelope system, participating in our community forums, and engaging in virtual workshops. And one of the most convenient features is the ability to keep all your accounts in one place for an easy at-a-glance view. You can choose from one of three options depending on your management style, and it's available on desktop or mobile. Go to faithfy.com and click App to get started. What's harder to get rid of than termites and hurts more than a toothache? Hi, I'm Rob West. A certain group of people will tell you it's a timeshare. It seemed like a good idea at the time, but now it's just another budget buster. I'll give you your options for getting out of a timeshare today, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Well, you steady listeners know it's a question we get fairly often, but I want to go into a little more detail today. How do I get out of my timeshare? You actually have several options, although none of them are great. In a perfect world, you'd sell your timeshare for enough to get your money back. That's not going to happen. If anyone has done it, please call us because we'd love to hear how you did it. Seriously. Now, just why is a timeshare so difficult to sell or get rid of at all for that matter? Well, for most potential buyers, it lacks a clear need. You can book a week at a similar resort anytime you want without a huge upfront cost and monthly fees. So there are few customers out there to buy your timeshare. Also, let's face it, timeshares have a significant public relations problem. Most people don't like the high-pressure sales tactics typically used by the companies that sell them. So timeshares in general have a badly tarnished brand image. Before you attempt to sell your timeshare, you should get all the information you can about the process, and the best source we know is the Timeshare Users Group, or TUG. You can find them at tug2.com. That's T-U-G, the number two, dot com. This is a community of timeshare owners who offer advice and share their experiences. The membership fee is $15 a year, and it's probably well worth it. Now, if you try to sell it on your own, you need to have a realistic idea of what it's worth, and that's almost certainly a lot less than what you paid. Next, you'll have to advertise, and Tug has an online marketplace that's probably the most active site you'll find for buying and selling a timeshare. But you can also try eBay, Craigslist, Facebook, and newspaper classified ads. Uh, once you find a buyer, if you find a buyer, you'll need to write up a contract that specifies what each party must do and what they receive from the transaction. It would be wise to get an attorney to draw up the contract. Okay, let's say you've been unsuccessful in selling your timeshare. If you've given up hope for getting any return on your money, you can simply ask the resort to take it back. It's called a timeshare deed back, and if the resort agrees, it's an inexpensive way to get rid of it. You'll probably need to have paid the entire cost of the timeshare, which could run around $24,000, so that would have to be a last resort. 
Your next option is to use a so-called timeshare exit company. This one can be tricky because there's a lot of scams out there. You'll want to find one with a track record of helping people get out of their timeshare and be sure to ask for referrals. There's one more option for getting out from under a timeshare, and that's to go with a contract attorney. Uh, You want to find one that's experienced in getting folks out of a timeshare. It can happen because these companies don't always keep their end of the bargain and are found in breach of contract. Now, you're probably wondering what some of these options might cost you. If you're able to sell your timeshare, you'll probably have several hundred dollars in advertising fees. You'll also lose the difference between what you paid and what you'll sell it for, which will likely be substantial. If you go with a timeshare exit company, costs often start around $5,000 and could go well over 10000 Hiring an attorney could cost you nearly as much. Now, here are some of the don'ts. Don't go with any timeshare exit company that makes extravagant claims that they can get you released from your timeshare for a low cost. If the company asks for payment up front, head for the door. Also, don't go with any company that suggests you do anything illegal or, in our case as believers, anything that would dishonor God. Here's another don't. It might be very tempting to just stop making payments. That will result not only in being endlessly harassed by the timeshare company or some collection agency, it will ruin your credit and may result in foreclosure. You've also signed a contract, pledged your word that you'd pay this money, and the Bible is pretty clear about your obligation. In Psalm 327, it reads, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. So as I said, you have a few options for getting rid of a timeshare, but the easiest way of all is not to buy one in the first place. All right, your calls are next. The number, 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. Hey, Greg, I need some advice. Oh, what's up? I'm really struggling with finding ways to cut back. With costs going up, especially in healthcare, what do you guys do? Oh, uh, we use CHM, Christian Healthcare Ministries. It's a health cost sharing ministry that's been sharing members' eligible medical bills for over 40 years. Sure helped us stick to our budget. Hmm. And here's the website chministries.org. C-A-C-H-Ministries.org. We are grateful for support from Sound Mind Investing in the Faith and Finance Program. For more than 30 years, they've been helping Christians reach their financial goals with step-by-step guidance for investors at every stage, from those just getting started to those getting ready for retirement. Through scriptural principles and practical suggestions, SMI offers financial wisdom for living well. More information, including the short video webinar on profit and peace of mind, no matter what's happening in the market, is available at soundmindinvesting.org. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm your host, Rob West. So glad to have you along with us as we apply God's truth to your financial life, recognizing God owns it all. We're a steward. Money is a tool, and it's to be used to accomplish God's purposes. And that, you know, His Word, 2,350 verses of them, uh, really gives us the principles, the pathway 
to experience God's best. Does that mean we'll always have everything that we need financially? No, absolutely not. The key is to find contentment, being content in what God has already provided wherever we're at, beginning with not the financial, beginning with his promises. He'll never leave us or forsake us. If we just start there, we'll recognize we already have an abundance. Now, financially speaking, wherever we're at, whatever passes through our hands, we want to be found faithful in using God's resources for his glory, and the principles are so clear, and they can be profoundly simple if we just look at God's Word and see what he has for us. Well, let's try to apply those to what's going on in your financial life. Let's head to the phones to Old Hickory, Tennessee. Hi, Lori. Thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hey, Rob. Yes, uh, I would like to know if I have to download the app from the finance uh, faith and Finance, in order to get the list of the faith-based funds that you happen to mention. Uh, I did not download it, but I went on the website, and yeah. I couldn't find that list. That's the first question. And the second question is, is there a hedge fund that's faith-based? Those are my two questions. Okay, yeah, great. I love that you're thinking about faith-based investing because, you know, it's an exciting and growing segment of the investment landscape. There's many more offerings than we've ever had, many of them world-class. And as we think about faith-based investing, some may be hearing this idea for the first time. You know, it's really about first alignment. So this idea that we want to align our investments with our values, which may mean eliminating some companies, screening some companies out. It may mean specifically specifically including other companies because we want to be aligned with our values because they're promoting a social outcome or, you know, human flourishing or they're taking, you know, human trafficking and slave labor out of their supply chain. I mean, things like that that really are in line with values of believers. So that's the alignment category. The second would be impact type investments where they're specifically uh, going after a kingdom impact in addition to the bottom line uh, impact as well. And then thirdly, this idea of corporate engagement. As an owner of a company, you have the ability to uh, vote proxies, to let your values be known to company leadership. And, you know, that could be done as an individual investor. It could also be done in the aggregate by a faith-based investment manager expressing the faith values of a group of shareholders that happen to be invested in a particular mutual fund, that type of thing. And there's just a growing number, to Lori's question, of these investment providers out there. Um, Lori, right now, the best way to access these is to go to our website. You don't have to download the app. It's just simply faithfi.com, faithfi.com, and click on the show. And you'll see uh, there many of our underwriters of this program, uh, which are listed there under the show, are these asset managers that specifically offer faith-based investing. And so you'll see that uh, there on that webpage, and you can click to learn more about organizations like Eventide and Lightpoint Portfolios and One Ascent Investments and Guidestone, uh, Praxis Mutual Funds, or uh, some of those fund families just doing incredible work but specifically with a mandate for their investments around faith and values alignment. So faithfi.com, and then just click on the show. Uh, Beyond that, uh, we are actually working on a comprehensive listing of all of the faith 
faith-based investing providers and which ones cover which categories and some span more than one category. It's not available yet today. Our team is working on it. We expect to have it out later this spring. But uh, in the meantime, you can get the information you're looking for uh, from our website. As to a hedge fund specifically, I'm not familiar with one. There are a number of uh, faith-based investing companies that work in the private markets. So just a little bit of education there. Uh, the public markets would be the, the type of things you can access on a publicly traded stock market like uh, mutual funds and stocks. The private markets are direct investments, often limited to what are called accredited investors, those that have a net worth of over a million dollars kind of as a starting point. And you can actually invest directly in a company or a limited partnership. A lot of these uh, you know, are taking place here domestically, but also literally all over the world. So there's a growing number of those through uh, providers like Sovereign's Capital and Eagle Venture Funds, and and then there's the faith-driven investor marketplace. But specifically as to hedge funds, Lori, I'm not familiar with one, although there may be one out there. Okay. Thank you, Rob. Okay. Thank you for calling today. Uh, 800-525-7000. Uh, let's head to Tampa. Hi, Elle. How can I help you? Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, yes, sure. um, just have a quick question. Um, we uh, we just want to know the difference. My husband and I would like to know the difference between or advantages of setting up a trust or having um, a will um, for our, yes. our in retirement investment monies that are already set up as um, under beneficiaries. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So with the uh, beneficiary on those retirement accounts, they're going to happen, you know, the, the passing of those assets in those uh, retirement accounts and any accounts that have a beneficiary named or a transfer on death, that's going to happen outside of the probate process. Uh, so that will just pass directly. Uh, the primary benefit of the uh, trust over the will is, in fact, this idea that you can keep everything out of probate. So anything named in your will is going to go through the executor, which would be named in your will, and through the probate court, which is a matter of public record, and then dispersed according to your wishes spelled out in the will. With a trust, it happens in private, not a part of, of the public record. It doesn't go through the probate court, and you have the ability to both put that trust and the management of those assets by the trustee into effect prior to your death in the event you're incapacitated or beyond your death. For instance, if you had a lifelong dependent or minors involved and you wanted certain triggering events like reaching a certain age or uh, other factors to be the triggering event to release the assets, uh, the trustee could hold on to the assets in the trust until certain conditions were met. So that's the primary benefit of the will is you have a bit more control before and after your death on the disbursement of the assets. But if that's not necessary, Necessary, you're okay uh, with it running through the probate court, through the named uh, executor of the will, then a simple will, you know, can really cover most folks and a trust may not be necessary. And uh, if you don't need one, you're avoiding an expense that's a bit more than a will, whereas the average will might be $500. A trust, a living trust might be 1500 to 2000 So um, was there a specific reason you were thinking about a trust beyond what I mentioned? Well, um, you know, my financial advisor thought that it would be advantageous to um, to to speak to an attorney, which we did, um, an estate attorney, and to ask about a trust. 
Unfortunately, when I got to my appointment with him, um, I, I completely didn't even think about the trust at that point. So okay. he did not seem to think that there was a need for a trust. Um, yeah. But I, it seemed as though you avoid, the, the, the kids will avoid certain expenses with the trust. I don't know how much a probate is. Everybody says probate, but I don't really know exactly what that entails. Yeah, you know, there's not a whole lot of expense there, so it's really just a matter of it being distributed directly without any delays. Uh, the distribution, you know, could take a little bit more time uh, through the uh, the probate court, but unless there's a real reason there, I don't think it's necessary. Stay on the line. We'll talk a bit more, and we'll be right back. If you enjoy this radio program, you're going to love all of the many different resources waiting for you at faithfi.com and the FaithFi app. You'll find powerful wisdom, free podcasts, articles, videos, and more from leading voices such as Randy Alcorn, Howard Dayton, Ron Blue, and our own Rob West. Grow in wisdom and knowledge by connecting with a community of thousands of Christians striving to be good and faithful stewards at faithfi.com or by downloading the FaithFi app. We are grateful for support from One Ascent Investments on the Faith and Finance Program. They manage a comprehensive suite of value-based investment strategies designed to help Christian investors live aligned with what they value most. One Ascent believes that if your values inspire the way you live, they should also inspire the way you invest. This can be a unique form of worship. More information is available at investments.oneascent.com. That web address is investments.oneascent.com. Welcome back. This is Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. We're taking your calls today, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. By the way, you don't have to call. Just send an email, askrob at faithfi.com. That's askrob at faith, the letters F-I dot com. To uh, Yvonne in Arlington Heights. Go right ahead. Okay, good. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, my question is basically, uh, what do you think, what's your vision about, if we're getting in recession, what will be the property's value? Do you think they're going to be too high or there is a chance to going down? Yeah, it's a great question, Yvonne, and you're specifically asking about housing prices. And, you know, most uh, economists are predicting that even if we get into a recession, uh, more than anything, we're talking about a leveling off of housing prices more so than a decline. If we were to see a decline, probably not more than 5 to 6%, 10 at the most. We've had a big run-up, but keep in mind, it's not because of easy money or systemic problems like we had in 08 and 09 what you've been experiencing the last number of years that has led to this boom in the housing market is largely driven by lack of inventory, a shortage of at least 2 million homes. Some say as many as 6 million homes just based on the demand from the uh, millennials and uh, those working now remotely, not in urban areas. So I don't think we're going to see a big decline. This is not a bubble in my view, but certainly a leveling off and maybe a slight decline. Thanks for your call. Quickly to chat Nuga Bruce, you're next up on the program, sir. Go ahead. Thank you, Rob, for uh, what you're doing. 
And my question is, is a responsible spend of a sizable amount of money, and my son wants him me to pay off his mortgage of his he'll be debt free. And I've prayed about it, even in Deuteronomy chapter four is about this and uh usury and uh I just don't feel like it's responsible because it will cause problems down the road of big spending. Yeah. Yeah. You you broke up there for a minute, Bruce. Let me just make sure I understood. So you're in retirement. Did you say your father left you a sizable amount? Is that right? Yes, a CD, and I can pay off the mortgage easily, but I feel like it's not responsible Christian-wise because it would cause family problems of of big-time spending. Yeah, yeah. I, I certainly can appreciate that, Bruce, and, and I appreciate that discernment. Uh, you know, you are the steward. And, you know, the most important thing is that your son uh, is growing in his relationship with the Lord, assuming he has one, let's pray that he does, and that you're modeling wise financial decision-making, But because what we know to be true is, is if we read God's Word, money is not the root of all evil, but the love of money is, and uh, materialism can get in the way of our relationship with the Lord. Uh, You remember it said, you cannot serve both God and money. It was clear that, you know, these two things were being put next to each other, because if something is going to dethrone God uh, from first place, his rightful position in our lives. The way I read scripture, it's most often going to be money and the things that money can buy. And so if you're discerning that you, with this uh, inheritance that was passed to you, uh, by paying off your son's mortgage, you're not going to encourage the right kind of financial behavior, then I would say absolutely you follow that discernment of the Holy Spirit, because the last thing you would want to do is inadvertently encourage him uh, to just you know, fall into the trap of materialism, which is just so pervasive and prevalent around us. You know, we get into this comparison trap with others, and we see kind of the best version of someone's life on social media, and it it can just fuel, if we're not disciplined in, in understanding our role as stewards, uh, absolutely negative behavior. And so I think what you need to do in love is just say, you know what, son, this is not what I'm sensing is the right thing to do. I love you. I want to be there uh, to support you. Um, but I don't think coming in and paying off this mortgage is the way to do it. Um, And I think you need to follow that, Bruce, and you don't need to feel bad about that whatsoever. Thank you so much, because you're the only one I've really shared this with. And it's been a big blessing to get to talk to someone with responsible Christian values. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, Bruce. Um, how might you go back to him? What are you thinking uh, as you communicate this? Because I think that's that's important that you take the time to sit down with him and e- express your desire to love and support him unconditionally, but also share your heart uh, around why you're not going to proceed with what he's asking. Have you have you thought about what you might say in that conversation? Yeah, I talked to him today, and I was talking basically about our country being in problem of raising the spending rate. Yes, sir. And it being ir- irresponsible spending that's causing it. And uh, I feel like he could control his destiny, but he can't control his family spending. 
and basically his spouse, and that's where the problem really gets blown up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think the other thing I might offer is perhaps uh, you look at ways uh, to reinforce the right behaviors. And so if you had the ability to bless him, maybe you say to him, listen, if you want to commit to getting out of debt, you know, I'll, I'll match a dollar for every dollar you put toward it. Or, uh, you know, if, if you want to pursue a particular goal and you, you know, you get halfway there, I'll match you on it. I mean, I think there are other ways if God has blessed you with means, you could reinforce and encourage the right behaviors. But just going in and in one fell swoop, removing the largest expense uh, from their budget, especially if they've not demonstrated restraint and the ability to live within uh, their means, that could absolutely accelerate that uh, way beyond what it is right now. And that would be the last thing you'd want to see. And I think that's what uh, clearly you're sensing at this point. So listen, I want to pray for you here as we wrap up today, as you continue to have this conversation. Father, be with Bruce. Just give him wisdom and discernment as you already have. Give him a boldness, but also give him the ability to communicate in love his desire for his son to pursue you and to be a responsible and faithful manager as he leads his family with what God has entrusted to them. I pray that you'd go before him in every conversation and that you draw them together, father and son, even closer as a result of it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Bruce. Well, once again, our time went by way too fast, but tune in next time and we'll do it all over again. Before we go, I'd like to thank our incredible production team, Amy, Devin, Jim, Robert, Brandy, Rob, and Ben. Couldn't do it without them. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you again next time for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by Faith by and listeners like you.